podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. No surprises about what we are getting into on the show. Jay Bell back in the house to look back at an extraordinary weekend of wildcard football. We'll get straight down to business. The red carpet is down. The limousine is ordered. The champagne is on ice because we have NFL UK royalty back in the house. Jay Bell, how are you? What's up, my man? And I'll take all that, man. You know, you got to you got to show up to the party in class and in style and everything you said would make that up happen. So I'm, I'm down with that. So I think with you, actually, you, you don't even need a guest list, right? You're kind of getting wheeled in the back through the kitchens. Good fella style, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to cause too much attention. You know, you just want to <laughs> and, and enjoy yourself, you know, now just just like a normal person <laughs> under the radar. I love that. Uh, well, you picked a good show to make your return, Jay Bell. There is so much to get into. It is it is it is intense. It is amazing and it is everything we want as nfl fans and purists like you and i are uh what better week to have a conversation about the state of the nfl well let's we've got to start with those browns right their first playoff win in in 26 years you and i were in school j bell when <laughs> the last Ooh. time the browns won Ooh. a playoff game yeah and what kind of student what Whatever I was doing in school, we don't want to talk about. I was going to ask you what kind of student you are, but maybe we should. We should. You were, or they shouldn't go there. Uh, Look, the first quarter was extraordinary. Given all the context, the you know the history uh, of of the Browns full stop over the last couple of decades, the the this season and the twists and turns they've had there, the week leading up to the game with all the COVID issues as well. Is that the most remarkable first quarter of playoff football that you can remember? I mean, it was it was tremendous and everything that could go wrong for the Steelers did, uh, which is what the what made the outcome what it is. Mm. You know, the main thing is you talk, uh, you know, guys talk about culture all the time. Um, It's it's important in sports. And we'll talk about all these other teams and their culture. But with the Browns, you saw the way they gathered together, the conversations they were having um, because their leader, Stefanski, wasn't available. And you could tell by the way they started that game who they were playing for and what they were playing for. It was right. bigger than them. Right. It was, it was the city. It was their coach. It was all of that. And then things just happened right. Remember in sports, when things go your way, you don't care how they go your way. You're just happy they do. Mm. And things were going their way. They had belief and they had it early. Now, they still had to fight. But early in the game, things happen where you can see that team saying, this is our time. Mm. We can do this. And that's opposite of what usually happens to the Browns. Big time. And, and looking back at it with, with 2020 hindsight, I was chatting with producer Ollie just before we started recording today. It, it's surprising that more people didn't pick up on the fact that all the trials and tribulations with Stefanski, everyone was saying, well, Betonia out on the line, Stefanski not there. They struggled to beat a second string Steelers in week 17. How can the Browns make this even close? No one was really picking up on the narrative that that would galvanize them to the degree that it did. And, and it absolutely did on the other side of it, Jay Bell, if you were in the Steelers camp at the end of that first quarter, when you're 28 zip down, what is going on in your head? What was going on in their heads as a player? When you are in a playoff game, as favorites, having had a season where, sure, you've been erratic over the last four or five weeks, but at one stage you were 11-0, what are you thinking? The problem is you don't have answers. You're so confused because you're, you're like, why is this happening? Now, the easy answer is turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, that, that you, can't, you have to win the turnover battle, especially in the playoffs. So you're thinking, but why are these turnovers happening? If you're Ben Roethlisberger, you're saying, I mean, the unluckiest tips, overthrows, this and that, like, what am I doing out here? So as a player, you're questioning yourself if you were the one who caused those plays to happen, right? Pouncing with the snap, things of that nature. But if you're just a guy, like if I'm just a guy, 
And I'm looking and I'm thinking, what's happening with my team? Mm. You know, what, what's going on? This isn't us. How do we get out of this? That's when you're looking for your leaders. Mm. That's when you're looking for them to kind of change the narrative inside of, of what's going on between your ears and your head. You know, that's what make Tom, makes Tomlin, uh, Tomlin so good. The way he can get those troops together. Mm. You know, he, he just has that skill. So you're just looking for leadership to say, it's calm down, relax, it'll be Okay but they were in a hole and it was not looking good. They didn't have any rhythm. So, uh, you know, as a player, that's hard to get out of. You just try to play every play, but you're thinking this is a bad day. You mentioned the turnovers and that's instrumental because you look at the, the stats and this was quite interesting in almost every category, right? The, the Steelers outperformed the Browns other than on the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then the turnovers were, were the fundamental difference. Let's talk about that ground game because, 52 yards in total it was all they all they managed and this has been their problem all season long of course although yeah. it's worth noting that James Conner had 100 yards plus in that in that week six win against the Browns they blew the Browns out, out of the water is it in your mind Jay Bell is it Conner and Snell not being good enough is it the line is it the play calling why have they been so unable to establish a ground game yeah, I think it's a little bit of both as far as the running backs and the offensive line and it's kind of what I look at is early in the year, remember offensive line, you have to be conditioned on what you do well, right? If you're a run team, you have to run block over and over and over again. Well, they got away from that, right? When they got mm. to the quick passing game. So right. you kind of lose that edge. Even if you're a good run blocking team, you lose that skill set because you're not doing it. Their identity shifted. It's hard to go back to being a run blocking team. Mm. So that's why I think now it's the offensive line but it's because they morphed into something else and it's hard to switch back when you don't have an elite runner that can make crazy things happen for you. So they just don't, that's not their identity. And the problem is when we think about the Steelers, that's what we think about physical Mm -hmm. football up front, offensive line, pushing people around. That's not who they are. They haven't been like that since they played the Browns and beat them early in the season. Yeah. 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 It's a great point. And that game, I think it was week six, week six, week seven, right? Uh, 38-7 38-7 was the final. And it was the one where Baker was banged up, right? He had rib injuries. And they didn't have Chubb, of course, as well. But if you think about all the, the vitriol, the hatred the Browns were getting after that game. I mean, you know, it was, they all came out after that game. And you fast forward to what we saw last night. It's like an alternate reality, right? I mean, it's yeah. incredible. Uh, these teams don't like each other. And the one advantage the Browns had with this is because you, when you do play against uh, a team, you know, as many times as they do because they're in the same division. You get to understand their tendencies, how to play guys. And even if you get beat up, it's kind of like you think, man, if I just would have avoided this, Mm. like I can't let this happen next time. They're really not that much better than me. I just got to stop this. And it gives you confidence. And you see that by the way they played. They Mm. never play like they feel like they can't beat this team. They feel like if we just do what we need to do and prevent making mistakes, which they did, we could come out victorious across the board offensively, that was the key, wasn't it? No one was making mistakes. Baker most notably, right? Uh, When you look at his year-on-year progression, 21 of 34 for 263 yards, three touchdowns, but again, crucially, no interceptions. Looking at this now, J-Bell, has Baker, in your mind, moved on, moved across the line where we feel he is a quarterback that's in the top 10, top 12 in the NFL and has shaken off those haters once and for all or is that overreacting a little bit too much to one playoff win well i'll say this i'm not the best quarterback raider right because i don't like quarterbacks too much i'm just playing i love all of them that being said baker mayfield is great in this offense that's what he's good at Mm. and what i like about him is he understands what kevin stefanski needs him to do how he needs to operate and he's playing within that and that's the key for anybody at the quarterback position remember this is a team game with the way the coach orchestrates the way they play on offense defense kind of fits together so mm-hmm. what he did really well this game i loved is the quick decisions he was making because he had to continue to throw the ball he had to continue to make throws to win the game because um, obviously they needed to keep scoring. And he did that. So I think he understands his role in this offense. And that's the main thing about Baker Mayfield. I see it's he no longer has to be this guy coming out of the draft uh, that needs to throw the ball all over the yard and be the big arm. No, be yourself, Baker, and play within the confines of the offense. And he's had success doing that. And that's why he's their quarterback. What about the Steelers D? 
J-Bell, because it is one of the best units in the NFL. And I know Bud Dupree's been out for a while and that's been a big loss, but they were so bad last night. Five offensive touchdowns allowed, no takeaways, no sacks. How, in your mind, could a defense this good play this badly? Well, a couple of reasons. You know, you said the Bud Dupree situation, that was that was big for them. But it, you know what it is? It's momentum and turnovers. Mm. Remember this, as a defender, the more I rest, the better I am. If I can go out there, you know, have, you know, four or five plays, get in and out, you know, you know, three plays and a punt, you know, you're feeling yourself. You got that edge. But when you're getting turnovers on, you know, on your side of, of, you know, what you're, of your, you're defending your, your red zone, your end zone, it's hard. It's very mm-hmm. difficult. And you just get worn down, right? A lot of defense is momentum and you just could see the defense playing, but they didn't have that edge. They didn't have that belief. Um, you know, when you have five turnovers on offense, that is difficult. At some point you break. And that's what I really saw with this defense. Uh, I saw a defense that just did not have their edge this game. And it, it was because of when you look at the whole game holistically, you know, they didn't believe in what their offense was doing. Even when they were mounting a comeback, I, I, you know, they got a little energy, but it was just early on. They just seemed like they weren't themselves because uh, they didn't have really faith in what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, one side affects the other. We saw that in uh, in Technicolor last night. Looking at uh, Roethlisberger, and let's, let's end on him and, and uh, move forward to the other games because there's a lot of ground to cover. He had 47 completions on 68 attempts, right? 501 yards. It was a wild, wild night for him. And, and just to emphasize that all the stats the Steelers led, total yards, passing yards, first downs, uh, you know, it was the ground game and Turner, was, as I said, was what really affected them. But where do they go now in terms of what the offense needs to like look like going forwards? And, and where does, in your mind, Roethlisberger fit into this? Because at the moment, we think he's coming back. It's not a Drew Brees situation where this is the last hurrah, but we're not sure. What do you think Pittsburgh does from here offensively? Well, who else are you going to get, right? That's the main thing. You can't quarterbacks don't grow on trees, so <laughs> it's uh, which guy are you going to get that replaces him? And I, I think he'll come back. And the one thing about Ben is, I saw him. He didn't. I don't want to say struggle, but it seemed like the way he threw the ball was mu- he threw it much more power as far as it took more energy. This mm. was a guy who used to just fling the ball and it was nothing, right? I mean, right. he's throwing right. off balance, doing all kind of stuff. And now I'm seeing him throw the ball and he's making facial expressions and like, uh, throwing with his body. So mm. that's a thing where he's going to have to really work on his technique in the offseason, make sure he's uh, making those throws a little easier using his legs. He, he's a guy, he's an arm thrower, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, He's going to have to use more power from his legs. So I want to see him improve on that. But, you know, he's still an elite quarterback. They just got to build everything else around him. They really got to figure out that run game and get back to what they've done well. When they were successful, it was because they were a running team. And they could, when he wasn't doing well throwing the ball, they would switch to the days they had Le'Veon Bell and just ground and pound all day with that physical offensive line. So uh, that's what they're going to have to get back to, really addressing that offensive line and getting back to being a physical team. But I think he'll be back and I think he'll be okay. But the main thing is, can't turn the ball over. You don't yeah. win in the playoffs if you turn the ball over. Simple formula. You will. Most teams lose games more than they win. Yeah, and they right. lost this game. Pittsburgh lost this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on. The Browns roll on then to the divisional round in the Chiefs. And that's quite an interesting matchup. When you think about where the Chiefs weak link is defensively, their Achilles heel, Jay Bell. You look at how well Chubb and Hunt ran all over the Steelers last night. Be running all over most teams this season. They've got a, they've got a fighting chance, haven't they? Yeah, they do. But the one thing about Spagnola and that Kansas City defense is they will commit to stopping something, right? Mm-hmm. If they want to stop the run, he will he will commit to that and they will forcibly try to stop the run. And I expect that to happen. Uh, that's the way he's been calling the games all I mean, calling his defensive game plan all year. So uh, they probably will sell out to stop the run and then keep uh, use Matthew as that kind of chess piece at the line of scrimmage and to kind of be in the middle of the field to rob for all those short, quick routes Baker Mayfield will try to throw. All right, let's get on to the Ravens-Titans game next. The first one of the Sunday window, Jay. But Lamar Jackson, if we're talking about quarterbacks that are, are shutting up the haters, it was ridiculous how much pressure was on his shoulders, how many people were saying, oh, if he doesn't get a win this time, you know, it's three games now, three playoffs that he hasn't managed to get a win. And, and 
what is he, 24 years old? I mean, it's ridiculous. So, <laughs> so, but it, he shut them up and, and really carried the team on his back last night, didn't he? Yeah, listen, uh, Lamar Magic is real. And for them to be successful, he has to be that guy. Uh, the Titans were going to force him to throw the ball outside the numbers. Uh, they were going to force him to make plays with his legs you know, in the passing game because you saw their game plan uh, as far as stopping the run. And what he did was exactly that. Uh, With his movement, he made plays with the ball, throwing it outside the numbers. And then when nothing was working, he did something I saw him say in an interview. And he said he is no longer going to overthink things and he's going to trust his feet. Mm. And what he meant by that and is what I saw. There's something this guy possesses, which is feel. He's got feel. He drops back. He sees things open up and he goes. He doesn't overthink it because he has that natural ability to see the game like that. And that's what you saw in his runs. I mean, as soon as he took off, you were like, oh, my goodness. Mm. You know, I'm sitting I'm sitting on the couch and I couldn't barely see it. And he saw it out there with all these people around him. So that's what he does. Um, That's the magic he brings. Michael Vick had that. Go out there. Trust that you are the playmaker. And when there's a play is to be had, it might be one or two a game, but that's all you need. And you saw that with his long runs. It was all Lamar magic, man. He's the guy who's got to click to keep them winning. And he did that. Critics are saying at the moment, you look at the running of the regular season and how this Ravens often started rolling again, but they were playing by and large weak teams and, Tennessee are not a weak team, but they're not a great defense, although they, they played a lot better last night than they have done in, uh, for much of the season. So I guess the, the negative perspective of the Ravens right now is they're beating and looking impressive against poor defenses, but they're still not versatile enough and, uh, and the passing game isn't cohesive and competent enough for them to really be able to stack up against a serious defense like the Buffalo Bills. Well, if they've had any problem with any defense, it's been the Tennessee Titans. Mm. You know, Vrabel understands how to play against him because from that pits, I mean, from his days in, uh, in New England, mm. they understand how to stop running teams. You stack the line of scrimmage, right? All you want to do is make it hard for them uh, to find uh, an, an open hole, right? Set the edges. And that's what he was doing. I mean, you know, it was, it was a great game plan to stop the run what he had. So you can't be faulted for who you play against, you know, the Baltimore offense. But I will say this, say this is all true. And they had to play against lesser defenses, which, yeah, I agree. What it did, it allowed them to create a, a, a an identity and change ups in their running game, man. When they came out in the second half and started using that fullback number 42 Richard and what they did, what, what they did on the goal line, just look back at that play. They brought that guy in a slow motion. He was almost walking. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he's hiding back there. And he created another gap. Remember, run defense is all about gap discipline. And just like people are creative in the passing game, right? How do you beat certain coverages? That's the same way you are in a running game. Greg Roman has got creative in showing different run blocks. And so, as the game goes, you get used to the certain type of run scheme and blocking, and he switches it up on you. Mm. That's hard when you got Lamar Jackson that can bounce out at any moment. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. So what they've done is Lamar does have to beat you with his arm throwing the ball outside. He's going to have to make throws like that. But remember, all game, I don't care how good of a defense you are, you are seeing so many run looks over and over and over, and all it takes is one mistake for mm. it to pop. And they yeah. have gotten really good with that in this latter part of the year into the playoffs. Because that touchdown run, I mean, Bayard, we were talking about this on the radio show. Bayard is, he's a heavyweight. It's not like he was, you know, and he made him look like, uh, you know, he was up against a high school player then. It, it, it's so true. What about Hollywood Brown? Because if you look at this receiving core, something you and I have talked about earlier in the season, it looks much like the Bills a year ago, right? That's maybe the missing link here that he needs a Stefan Diggs kind of player. And Hollywood's not Stefan Diggs yet, but he's starting to find form at the right time. Uh, two touchdowns last week, his first 100-yard game since week one. So things are looking up in that respect, Bell. Yeah, what you need and why Hollywood Brown is so important is two reasons. If you're getting selfish and you're getting greedy on defense, not selfish, but you're getting greedy. You're trying to stop the run, right? You see what I I saw in the game. The safeties start moving up. Remember, Mm -hmm. that's all I'm watching. The safeties are the window of the defense. They let you know what they're scared of. Mm -hmm. And they start each itching up towards that line of scrimmage, inch by inch. And I'm like, these dudes are trying to sit their run fits. They're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to stop the run game. 
when Hollywood Brown goes screaming past you, you got to back up. And it doesn't even matter if he catches the ball. Just the threat of him doing that, it backs those safeties up. So he's very important with that. So he has to do that, and he has to catch the ball outside. But you saw also when they needed quick plays and they were kind of – the defense was condensing, they got Hollywood Brown the ball quick in the screen game off the edge and let him use those speed. It uses speed because the DBs were backed off a little bit, you know, because they were down there trying to stop the run. They weren't going to play man-to-man coverage tight when you're like that. You need to be able to have eyes on the quarterback. So you get him the ball quickly, and he makes a play, makes somebody miss. So he gives you that chess piece you can use, but his speed is what they need to threaten the defensive backs. That's the most important thing. He's got the go-go get-ems is what you're saying, Jim. Oh, he got them go-go get-ems. <laughs> what about the Baltimore, the Baltimore D? We've got to give them credit, obviously, most notably for, for keeping Derrick Henry in check. How did they manage to do that? Uh, Don Wink Martindale mm-hmm. is their defensive coordinator. What a game plan he had. Uh, the, you know, even early on, they went and they sold out to stop the run. And then what you saw Tennessee have success with is the passing game, right? Because they saw them in man-to-man coverage, and they especially saw Humphreys in the slot on A.J. Brown. Mm -hmm. So what I saw them do was they adjusted and they started passing off routes, made it look like man coverage. So it was his adjustments. They have the talent. They know how to play, but it's those subtle adjustments that their coordinator was making throughout the game that I loved. And that was the key to that, man. You know, uh, they say he's up for a head coaching job. He should get one. And there's a reason because you saw him in the way he kind of played to his talent uh, and his players and how he adjusted. That's what I saw. Uh, It was putting his players in a good position to succeed because it was a chess match all Mm -hmm. the way through that game. One final line on, on the Titans, because another playoff year for, for Vrabel. And and it became pretty evident early on this season that their defense, despite his coaching uh, prowess, and and you're right, I think uh, uh, Jay Bell to talk about how well he played the Ravens last night and and they really overperformed based on that, how they've been playing this season, but he just doesn't have the personnel defensively this year. And he got unlucky, of course, with some of the players they brought in that didn't work out. Jarrell Casey leaving left a massive gap. They never were really able to get that pass rush going at any stage during the season. And that, that cost and that affected uh, that, you know, further back in the secondary Adoree Jackson was out for a long time as well. So there are a lot of reasons why this defense has been underperforming, but given how complete the offense seems to be, are they one or two pieces away from making a serious Super Bowl run next year? Yeah, they need a pass rusher. They mm-hmm. need an elite pass rusher. Um, I like Simmons, the defensive lineman they got, um, but they got to have a guy on the edge that can rush the passer. And that, that's what they're missing. I mean, uh, a good pass rusher cleans everything up. You think about it when you talk about team building. You, you get a quarterback, and then you get a guy who stops the quarterback. Well, they don't have that kind of guy. So that's mm-hmm. something they have to address. Uh, they tried to do that, but they, they're, they're really going to have to address getting a pass rusher somewhere, whether they have to pay for one or they have to draft one. But that's mm-hmm. what they're really missing on that defense. The Titans out, Ravens rolled through, and they'll be playing the Bills in Buffalo because the Bills-Colts game was the one that kicked off uh, Super Wildcard <laughs> weekend. And it was a lot closer than a lot of people thought it would be, Jay Ballon. I reckon that, that Frank Reich and, and Philip Rivers – We'll be looking back at this now, 48 hours afterwards, and still just shaking their heads and thinking, how did we not win that? Yeah, that was that was a battle, man. And it came down to that last play, man. So, you know, uh, it was it was a tremendous game. And you're right. I mean, I didn't think I I knew the Colts. What scared me about the Colts is their uh, uh, Taylor in the running game. right? Right. He I mean, he at the end of this year. You put him up there as one of the best running backs in the league, right? I think he finished third in rushing after starting slow. So I thought, man, if they can get that going, at some points and times I worry about the Bills' run defense. I mean, sorry, yeah, the Bills' run defense. So, yeah, that was my concern. But, you know, the playoffs, man, I'm telling you, I've been in the playoffs. Every team, defenses get better. Remember this in the playoffs. Defenses play like every play is their last. The Energy is real, and you have you have a year worth of film on these teams. Right, I've seen everything you can do, so I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing, and I'm very confident because it's my last game, man. Lay it on the line. Mm. So I expect defenses to play well, but you know the main thing I come out of that game, and I'm just, I mean, Josh Allen, man. If he was your MVP, he still is. He's it. Mm. 
You know, he's it. That arm, those, the plays he made on the move, throwing the ball with pinpoint accuracy on the sideline. What, what else can you say? That's Jim yeah. Kelly type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is high praise. It, you know, it's the accuracy for sure that was always an issue for him or a concern for him historically. And it's also the X factor. You've talked about it on the show before as well, that he is one of those quarterbacks that will be able to make things happen when they're not there, right? And, and take yeah. those risks and change the course of a game by taking those risks that other lesser quarterbacks either don't see, they don't see that angle or they can't execute it or maybe a, a bit of both. And on our radio show last night, Ross Tucker was on talking about the year-on-year improvement in terms of his overall play, but particularly completion percentage. You look from his rookie year to where he's at now. Stefan Diggs, of course, instrumental in that, but it's a lot more that's easy to say, well, the reason Allen is the quarterback he is is because he's got Diggs. Of course, that's helped that progression, but it's a bit too easy to say it's the only reason. How good is Josh Allen now in the grand scheme of things? If we're saying that Baker is starting to force his way, certainly into the top half of of quarterbacks in the league, where's Allen in, in your pecking order? Top five, easily. Um, And, you know, it's the luck of the draw because if you're a playmaker, you need a play caller. You got to have a play caller. And Brian Dayball is is up for a head coach, uh, head coaching position. And you see what the the improvement Josh Allen has had. It's because he's got a guy teaching him how to see the game. Uh, There's a lot of luck in being a quarterback and where you go and who you have as a coach. And I think this marriage between them two, you've seen the results. One thing about Josh Allen is his powerful arm allows him to get away with things. He's he now he understands what he can do. Uh, the best thing to do is you understand your strengths and the limitations of your strength. You know, so he knows I can wait a second more and squeeze the ball in better than other guys can because of my arm strength. Well, that allows him to recognize things and see things a little slower. Well, he's picked up how he sees he sees things because of his experience in this offense, his coordinator and his relationship with Diggs. I mean, one thing about being a quarterback and a receiver is you have to really understand each other. A lot of nonverbal communication has got to be a flow, you know. And those guys have it. They talk about how they enjoy each other's personality, how they're cool with each other. I remember Plaxico Burris telling me him and Eli just used to look at each other and like by winks and small facial expressions, they knew, you know, go time, go do this. You know, okay, you see that too. All of that is important and special. And you really got to... you really got to enjoy each other as people to get that. And you see that. And that's the key, man. All those things are coming together for Josh Allen. And the future is so bright for this kid, especially if he keeps his coaching staff in place. It's great to see Buffalo having so much success because they are a great franchise, aren't they? You mentioned Jim Kelly, one of the all-time greats. And really, the, the last time they had any continued success was, was that long ago. So it's fantastic to, to see the Bills right in the mix. And it's serious contenders, I think. What about the Colts and, and Philip Rivers? Because I think with the one-year deal, a lot of people thought this might be his last hurrah. But the rumors now are coming out that the Colts are, are looking to stay with him at least for, for another year. Is that the right call? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's the right call right now because once again, who are you going to get? You know, it's, it's about uh, work. What quarterbacks out there, uh, a Frank well, they've got Jacoby there, right? So I don't know. If yeah. You know. But he's not the long-term answer. Mm. They love him. They love who he is. They want him to be their backup for a lot of reasons. Uh, do you and reckon they would have been a playoff team if he, if he was their starter this season? No, I think Phillip rivers was exactly what they needed. Because one thing about Philip Rivers is this: they 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 begin to establish that running game, and what Philip Rivers is is he's the kind of guy. Truly, if you're behind and you got to throw to a win, that dude ain't scared. <laughs> he, you know, he's not. There is no fear in that man's game. Right. And that's what you need. Okay, Philip, you got to go win us the game. You know, I know this was how we were. We started our game plan. We're behind. Go throw that thing around the yard. That's Philip Rivers. Yeah. 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 That's the beauty of him. He played, didn't play a championship game back in the early days of the Chargers with a torn ACL. He played a game with his ACL tour. <laughs> That's Man, that dude, there you go. He wants, he's going to go out there and make it happen for you. And that's what they, that's what they need him for. And he's seen everything, right? He can get you in and out of plays better yeah. than anybody. Um, so I think that he should come back. 
they might try to bring someone in some way, somehow that they are trying to get ready for the future, right. uh, which is who else could you learn from Philip Rivers? The question is, is he the guy willing to teach someone else to take his position at some point in time? Now, that's the question I cannot answer. Yeah, it's I guess the right connection as well is, is key, right? That they they have that strong connection on Frank Reich. He's got a lot of plaudits as, as a head coach and, and rightly so. J Bell to the degree where everybody's looking at the demise and the, uh, the collapse of the Eagles and saying, well, how much of that is down to the moment Frank Reich exited <laughs> stage left. They all, they all went a little bit. A pedged. lot. <laughs> a lot is the, is the correct answer for $10. But with, with regards to the playoff game on Saturday and his play calling in particular, where he's under a lot of criticism for being too aggressive, not taking the chip shot field goal at the end of the first half and, and other calls that he made that were perhaps uh, overly pushing and forcing the agenda. Do you think he had a bad night? Do you think he, he made too many fundamental mistakes as head coach? I don't think so because I, I, Frank Wright is smart enough to understand the limitations of his team. Mm. So he's down there thinking we need points. We, 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 we need points. We can't play it safe. The same things, ha- the same thing happens in reverse when people are saying, you knew you needed points coach. You should have went there. You know, you should have went for it. You should have did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all say that as fans, but I think when I really watch coaches that I respect and I see the decisions they make, the one thing I remind myself is coaches are going to tell you what they think by their decision-making right. about their team. You know, they're going to tell you about their quarterback by their play calling. You know, they're going to tell you about the, you know, I look at the defensive backs. Why are these guys not man? Why are they doing this? They're going to let you know. I don't trust that Jason Bell out there in press man coverage. Not (laughs) going to happen. Everyone would trust it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where he's saying, I know my team. I know how we react to certain things. We need to push forward. We need to be aggressive. Okay. Let's move on to the Saints-Bears game because it was comfortable in the end for the Saints, but maybe it wouldn't have been if Javon Wims had made that catch. And firstly, I want to know what you think happened. I mean, we human error, right? We've all been there and made mistakes at very different levels of, of competitiveness and competition. Doing that in a playoff game when it's an absolute gimme is painful to watch. And I feel for him. I feel for any player who is clearly talented that, that, that makes a mistake. But on the commentary, they were talking about the optics and the lighting in the Superdome. And I don't know if they were just reaching for answers, reaching for excuses, but you know, you've played there in the stadium, yeah. right? Yeah. Is there anything in that? Because it was such an extraordinary drop, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it seems like he didn't look the ball all the way through, you know, mm-hmm. which could have happened. I've seen that happen a lot. I mean, yeah, there's times and receivers do it all the time. Receivers are great at understanding, especially in your home stadium, how the lights are right. and what to do. Uh, and it's I think it's just about not panicking. I've seen receivers catch the ball and stun beaming down their eyes. And I'm like, what do you what do you do? They're like, oh, well, in this situation, you have to focus on this certain mm-hmm. thing. So they're just they understand what to do. And yeah, he could have got the lights. It could have hit him in the wrong spot. But most of the time, the greats find a way to know what they're looking at and look the ball through. You know, when his head was up and the ball just went through his arm, to me, he just didn't follow through and see it all the way, uh, you know, through. I've seen that happen before. And the main thing is on that is when you're the Bears, you don't have a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. You can't make mistakes. You know, Tyreek Hill can drop a ball like that. And everybody's like, oh, no, Kansas City, too bad. And then next thing you know, again, bam, boom, he makes up for it. (laughs) Right. right? I mean, it's you know, people drop passes. The difference is the Bears don't have the ability to get another opportunity like that. And that really is what the problem is. They're not that good of an offense. They need to they when they have their chances, they need to capitalize. And that didn't happen. I asked you earlier about what it would have felt like to be in the Steelers camp going down 28 zip in the first quarter of a playoff game. What do you think it would have been like on the Bears sidelines? And knowing exactly as you just said that we're not going to get too many shots. We've got to take every chance we can get. It felt like the air just completely came out of the team to, to a large degree, certainly offensively after that. What, what do you like as a player when a teammate makes a mistake like that in such a critical game? You know, to be honest, you kind of go, oh, man, you know, that's terrible. 
And then the next play, you got to move on. Right. You just do. Yeah, you, you just move on. The, that player might be continued, continuing to think about that. You can and they that. need to bounce back and they need to move on to the next play, right? Let it go. Mm-hmm. Think about the next play like the greats do. But at any other position, you have to play your game. You, you, at the end of the game, you reflect and say, if you know, that would have happened, things would have changed. But during the game, you just move on because you just got too much to focus on to be worried about something that happened before, especially if you weren't involved in it. It tees up the Saints win, uh, Breeze Brady, right? Because, of course, the Bucs uh, took care uh, of business against Washington. That is a total combined age in starting quarterbacks of 85 Mm. Mm. man in america they would have some good social security checks coming (laughs) you know (laughs) with those salaries at that age get it brady and and breeze getting the vaccine ahead of uh (laughs) listen listen who knows what they got who knows what uh uh brady got going on man with alex guerrero his guy shout out to alex guerrero alex guerrero his uh his guy that he does everything with all the actually, health stuff. Yeah. The food stuff actually I mean, helped me, man. He was, Did I had it? a, yeah, I, you know, Tom Brady was introduced to him through Willie McGinnis. Right. And Willie McGinnis, you know, we're both from Long Beach, California. Our track coach from high school introduced us to Alex Guerrero. What so did McGinnis, we, McGinnis ran? What track did he run? Oh man, he didn't run track, but yeah, he was, I was fast. Gonna say, I was gonna say. <laughs> Willie was fast, man. Yeah. Willie was, was fast. Yeah. Was yeah. yeah. Willie was the man, man. Shout out to Willie McGinnis. He's uh he does so much for Long Beach where I'm from. But yeah, so uh Alex Guerrero, man, I mean, the mm. injuries I've had, he's helped so much. I mean, he's magic. So how, how, what kind of thing? I mean, he does everything, man. I can't even get into the specifics. It's uh it's you know, he's on a whole nother level with the pliability stuff he's doing yeah. now, but Injuries I've had, man, he's uh he's 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 been the one. So, you know, uh, him working with Tom all this time, it I understand why he is what he is right now as far as his ability uh to be to run around like he's in his 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you notice this is the first season as far back as I can remember that nobody's talking about Brady retiring, that Breeze retiring, is Rivers gonna hang him up, Roethlisberger. Nobody's mentioned that at all about Brady. Now, you know, the main thing about Brady and why he made this move. Uh, to Tampa was he needed to be protected. He needed a team that would invest in things that allowed him to go out there and be successful. And you see a lot of things they're doing now in the offense are things they did when he was in new England. I mean, this week Gronkowski in the, in the past game blocking Mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. and people forget about Gronk as a blocker. He is a beast. You know, he can shut down people. And you saw that happen. If Brady feels comfortable I don't care what, how much pliability you do and all that. He doesn't want to get hit because you don't recover the same. So he knows I need to be protected. If I feel protected, if I feel secure, I can make any throw. And that's what he's doing. And Tampa Bay has allowed that to happen by their investment in their players and by the play calling that they're doing. It, that was really key in the game against Washington because everybody said, well, you know, the key to getting to Brady taken down. We've seen it. Your New York Giants did it back in the day up the middle, get in his face. And this front we've got, they've got a big shot of doing it. And then with Ronald Jones going out in, in warm up, right? Yeah, Which that's crazy. We're going to run the ball as much as we can to, to stop that, to negate that as much as we can. Yep. And then you lose your starting running back. Now yep. Fournette was next man up and took care of business, but yeah. really impressive all around offensive performance by the Bucks, given that was how they had to enter the game you know, just a few minutes before, before kickoff. Yeah, remember the Brady X Factor too, man. Like, think about if you're playing with him, you and I are on that team. Do we believe we got a chance? (laughs) Every time. Every time. So a bat goes down, this happens, this changes. I'm on defense. All I'm thinking about is get this man the ball again. Mm. You know, if he's got that look, I'm just thinking we got a chance. And whatever he's selling, I'm buying. And you can see that (laughs) out there. I mean, he his command of that offense of that game uh mm. right especially right now in the latter end of the year and in the playoffs it's just crazy he's seen everything he's seen it all um him being out there just gives everybody everybody feels like they have an opportunity to make a play on that offense yeah. and that's the key to playing hard and that's what they're doing break that down for me a bit more j belt because for a long time, and this, we are in this generation, we're in the, the business where everybody seems to overreact and 
jump to conclusions quickly. And we were looking at this Bucks offense for a fair amount of the season, struggling at times, certainly looking quite static and quite old school compared to what Andy Reid and Mahomes are dialing up. And, uh, and, and of course, because of the nature of the, the type of quarterback Brady is even, even more so, but week on week, they've got stronger and stronger, more and more in lockstep. And, are we surprised at all, right? Are we surprised it was going to take time for that to happen? He's got so many weapons. I was remember hearing somebody saying, I don't know, seven or eight weeks ago, yeah, the problem with the problem with Tampa Bay is they've got too many elite weapons. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? People like, just look for something to say. What are you talking about? <laughs> and and it's, it's incredible how, look, I don't think that yet the finished article, but you look at the, the offenses left in, in the entire playoffs and, uh, and specifically in, in the NFC, the way they're playing right now offensively is arguably stronger than, than anyone else, right? In terms of cohesion. Yes. You said the right word, cohesion. Timing is everything in offense, right? You have to have your timing down and that's everywhere. That's why you see receivers and the quarterback throwing routes on air over and over and over again. It's are we seeing things the same way? Do I understand what this guy does when he comes out of his break? Tom has to know every individual receiver and what they do differently. Yeah. The offensive line is used to blocking with each other. What is the, the guy next to me doing? How does he do it? I have to play the same way he does. Running backs, they have to see how things are happening and flowing everything. So it takes time. It's something that you get with repetition. No preseason, new quarterback, new weapons. It's just going to take time for everybody to get on the same page. Mm. That's why one thing I loved about this year because of all that is how you saw the good teams just get better week to week. Mm. You saw them improve on things like that. And I was like, wow, this is this is cool. If they start slowing down how many preseason games they have, this is the new football. Yeah. You know, the beginning of the year, you know, you're figuring it out. You you might simplify some things. And then as you get better. As your understanding of everyone gets, you increase, you know, your volume of plays and different things you do, unless you're a veteran team that's worked together. And that's the advantage. So this doesn't surprise me that they're playing like this. Brady has a command of this offense and he has a feel of all his offensive weapons and how they react during the game. You know, on that point of rhythm, do you think in retrospect, it was a mistake for the Steelers to sit Ben in, in week 17, given Apart from the second half of that Colts game, they've been completely out of rhythm for weeks, right? They've been in this total decline offensively, out of sync. And you, you were saying earlier that that offense is predicated entirely on that, right? So was it a mistake? I mean, I know he's a vet. I know he needs the rest. I know he's taken a lot of hits and there's a lot of miles on the clock. But I wonder if that wasn't a mistake. So I'll be honest. I would have said, no, they should have rested him because of his age. And usually he's bounced back and had good performances when he's had that rest. Mm. But with all the turnovers he had, you know, I would say he needed to be out there, you know, yeah. because that, that, that right there was sloppy. And that makes me think, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't in the flow of things yeah. because you don't see that out of him like that. But, you know, if I was a head coach, I, I probably would have rested him because, you know, the main thing is his health. I need him out there fresh. I, I would think he's seen everything and he wouldn't make those kind of turnovers that he did. On the, the Bucks-Washington game, just a quick line on, on Taylor Henneke, because he won a lot of fans, didn't he, with a, with a gutsy performance. What a, what a story that is. And it is, I think, easy in the same way that a lot of people overreact negatively these days. It's easy to go the other way and say, well, there we go. Like he's, he's built himself a, a starting career in the NFL. But based on what you've seen, small sample size that it's been, do you think he has a real shot at starting in the league next season? You know, you never know what can happen. I think what he's done for himself is he solidified being a backup for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's the ability and having a game like that and being a competitor. That's the key. And mm. these backups last a long time. You got guys floating around. You're like, he's still playing, you know, <laughs> and he so can true. be that kind of guy. So, yeah. uh, you know, he, he, he should run with that. And, you know, everybody knows him from this performance in the playoffs, you know, you can go yeah, down to yeah. history with that. Yeah, for sure. He definitely had his day in the sun. What now for Alex Smith? Do you think is that the end of the road for him? You know, I don't know. I don't want to say that anything about Alex Smith. This man has overcome everything, but it's, right. it's hard to watch him out there sometimes. It, I, I'm very fearful every time he's on the field, you know, personally. It's like, oh, Alex, oh, you know, right. kind of watching. So, but 
I think his hunger is still there. So I, I think he's – obviously, I, I believe he's going to come back and try to, you know, get back on the field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because whether it was getting – giving everything he went through, getting to – getting to a roster this season then then taking snaps showing you can do it. I wonder whether that's enough. I wonder if he'll walk away now and think, you know what? I came back and I did it and, and enough's enough. Uh, but it's certainly a sense that he can still do it. Right. It's a question. I think maybe if he, if he, if he wants to, and Washington have got questions to answer in terms of the quarterback position as the LA Rams do as well. Right. Because yep. their victory against Seattle, which means of course they square off against the Packers in Lambeau, this coming weekend and of course all the talk on what the quarterback situation is going to be do you think they would have got the same result if John Wolford hadn't gone out injured you know I do just because of the way that defense played and Cam Akers running the ball that's what really got it cracking at first Mm -hmm. Cam Akers was just you know he was balling in the running game and I do think Wofford with his ability to move had Seattle on their heels a little bit. Right. So that helped, right? But it's that defense, man. They got the best defense in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. The Ram, I mean, they got the best defense in the playoffs. And the uh, Seattle has struggled offensively this latter half of the year. My man Russell Wilson takes too many hits. He's been hit too many times. And it just fell into their hand. I mean, the defense needed to win that game, and they did, period. Mm. It, it, I agree. The best defense in in the the league right now and they, and they stepped up there one of the issue things here and, and jaybo you've got a great memory we've worked together a good few years now and i know that you are you're always you're all strictly business you're, you're hardest working man in showbiz and you've got <laughs> one of the best memories in the business so you will remember uh-huh. where are we now probably about sort of 14 months ago you and i did at espn show together when I had a rib injury. Do you remember that? The rib injury. Yes, I do. I hurt <laughs> my ribs playing, playing five-a-side football. And I was in a lot of pain. So it was maybe a couple of days after, right? But there's yep. no surprise that I'm going to be struggling and wheezing and, and everything else, having injured my ribs playing five-a-side football. Mm-hmm. Seeing Aaron Donald uh, being knocked out of a game for, a, for a, uh, as long as he was with a rib injury, I mean, did he break every single rib in his body? Because he is maybe the hardest man in sport, let alone in the NFL. So that has got to be a serious rib injury to take him down. That's scary. And, you know, people that have had that injury, even if you pull a muscle there, it impacts everything you do. Breathing, running, movement. You understand it is so bad and painful. It shuts everything down. You saw by the way he was moving, it was just like anything the man was doing, Mm. it was painful. Do I feel he'll find a way to get back on the field? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. How long he's out there and how effective he is, I do not know. That is a Mm. very hard injury to play with. Yeah, it's when Brees hurt them hurt his ribs earlier in the season, and they sh- remember they showed him on the sidelines just after half time, and there was this suggestion: Have they benched him? Like, what's going yeah. on? Like, why is he out like, there? I can't go. Yeah, he was just looking like I don't know what is happening to me, but I can't, you know. And that is yeah. it, it, uh, real. Imagine every step you take, you're just like, uh, uh, you know, and that's I can't get on the field like that. Yeah, it's a huge problem, of course, if, if he's not going to be there because they need, they need everybody in, in the mix. But just very quickly, before we let you go and wrap things up, J-Bell, on that matchup against the Packers, with mm-hmm. the D being, as we've now officially anointed it, the best in the business, that is going to be really interesting. If there is a defense right now that is going to be able to neutralize Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they've got, a, they've got a fighting chance because I'm guessing that that is going to be how they'll look at it. They'll put Ramsey on Adams uh, as he's done so effectively against uh, so many other teams, number one receivers this season, minimize Adams. And that's the key, of course, to, uh, to, to at least making it a fair fight. Yes. And what they do, if anybody watches, it's, it's so sweet. They'll make it look like Ramsey's playing uh, the, the number one receiver man, right? But then they'll play zone over there. So it's it's they they make it look like he might be following a guy, but he's just playing his regular zone. So it's good for him because you don't as a corner, if they think you're a man every time they can set you up. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, Yeah, but they don't do that. So uh, it'll be good. And they got enough DBs. They can cover this guy wherever he goes. But when it's when when it's on the line. Oh, yeah. Ramsey, it'll be one on one all day. Him and Devontae Adams. And it'll be it'll be nice. 
It will be some. I'm. I can't wait to watch that battle because Aaron Rodgers don't care. He's not scared. He's like, mm-hmm. you're my number one guy. You the number one corner. You know he feeds off of that. He's like, let's get him. You know, let's go do this. So, Big but time. that's why Aaron Donald is so important in this game because mm-hmm. if you don't get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and he has time to create, man, it's hard to cover anything in anybody with him back there with his movement skills. And that is a serious offensive line he's got in front of him as well. So that's going to be, that is going to be key. Like, looking forward to that one. Looking forward to all four. I mean, they're all four cracking divisional games, oh. aren't they? I mean, you know, pretty much everything we could have hoped for. Yeah, we got some great battles, great matchups. And that's the main thing you're looking at each week is like, what's the matchup I'm focused on? Uh, let's see how it plays out. Uh, and usually though, whoever wins that matchup wins the game. Now, speaking of focus uh, on, before we say goodbye, j but uh, those of you listening to the pod, head on over to our social channels at the NT Show. You'll see video of, uh, uh, of some of our chats over there. And in the background, I'd be catching my attention, the, the deflated, oh. deflated juke you got behind you. So what's, ah. the, what's the story behind that, j Oh, man. So this goes with me everywhere. It travels everywhere. Came, well, I was from a suitcase from New York. But what it is, is it's <laughs> the, that's why it's deflated, because I put it in a backpack, actually, mm. through the airport. And I didn't want it to blow up on the plane. I thought, you know, you get in the air and it might pop. Don't ask me why. So I deflated it myself. Wait a minute. What? So you You know how you you know how you get on a plane in the air, you know, the altitude? (laughs) I was thinking, man, is it gonna pop? And so I took that air out. Amazing. All I thought was I'm gonna have this football in my bag and pop on a plane. Oh, that's not gonna work (laughs) out. That's not a good look. That is not good. good. (laughs) So I took the air out. And it's um it's basically the Mm. last regular season game I played in. Mm -hmm. Played against the Washington football team. OC had pressure on the quarterback. I get the interception. We go down and score. We get in the playoffs. Amazing, man. It's my, you know, I, I got, and then the next, my last game was the playoff game against Philly. And then mm. the next year I went on injured reserve. So that was my last regular season game. So me and OC made that happen together. I love that. It was history. It was just in fate that you guys would be rolling together so many years later. So you grabbed that straight away, right? Yeah, that's coming with me. Oh, I ran, I, I ran off the silent. I was like, this will never happen. This might never happen again. Put it under your jersey. Oh man, I <laughs> had it, man. So it was, uh, it's, you know, I got a bunch of balls that are, you know, uh, you know, game ball or group play, this and that. But that one, that one travel special. That one's special. And it's great. You and OC, of course, still going strong after all these years. Uh, the uh, pod is rolling. Uh, and I mean, last time you were, you were telling us about the, the different styles you were taking that as well. Uh, that is just going from strength to strength. So all our listeners can download that from all good podcatchers. You do radio as well, of course, rolling with the highlight show. Like I say, you are the hardest working man in I'm show I'm following business. you, bro. I'm following you, man. Let's <laughs> keep doing it. Great to see you, bud. Thanks for dropping by and checking with us soon, yeah? Thank you, man. Good to see you. Brilliant stuff from Jay bell He will be back on the show. You can count on that. And we're back later on this week. I'm Mike in the house for our divisional round preview. Edge Rush coming to make sure you check in for both of those. See you then, gang. Bye for now. Podcast Network.